it's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Today it's Friday, and as usual, it's my Frontline Friday show with my friend and guest, Bridget Gleason. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning, Andy. So how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We always have to ask, how's the I weather? Know. How's the weather? And it's a question I know. we well, ask. So for me, it remains pretty, um, pretty stable here in California. So a beautiful, beautiful, crisp uh, fall day. And Andy, where are you today? I'm in my San Diego studio. Okay, so you probably are, have some... Clear, crisp, beautiful day outside. A little cold for San Diego, but uh, yeah, no one's going to be complaining. No, we've, we've got a lot to be thankful for. A lot to be thankful. We're recording this right before the Christmas and New Year's holiday, so uh, yeah, it's a good time to reflect and yeah, fortunate to be able to, to be here. So, topic I wanted to get into today, and really looking forward to 2016... There's been a somebody I'd read recently a dubbed 2016 the year of the SDR, or it's going to be the year of the SDR, the sales development rep. And I want to talk about that a bit because that role really is evolving pretty much in real time when you look at how companies are implementing that role and using people uh, in that role. And it seems like perhaps now what we're seeing is a trend toward evolving uh, towards maybe more responsibilities being embodied in the sales development rep role. So I want to talk about that. So what are you seeing? Because you manage a large team of sales development reps. What are you seeing in the way that you're utilizing that that resource within your company? How's that evolving? Yeah, it's, it's it, as you were talking, Andy, I'm just listening to that and, and thinking about my own situation, both here at Sumo Logic and then uh, previous companies. And it is evolving in in real time. In fact, just before we started, I had put on my to-do list, um, we're hiring uh, three new SDRs that are a little bit different than the other team that we have. So it's sort of an experiment. And I want to identify really clearly what they're going to be doing as different from the other roles. So this this is actually also very timely for me as I'm trying to figure it out in real time. And I guess what, like you said, is I think, Andy, is it gets harder and harder to make that first initial contact and to cut through the noise. It's almost as if you have to even break apart. First, it was just the introduction of the sales development rep or the business development rep. And now it seems that we almost need to even break break that apart. And I think that's what's it that's what's interesting is further specialization within the SDR role is is sort of what I'm starting to see more of. Okay. Well, you had talked about three people you're going to experiment with. How are their roles going to be different? So right now, the SDR team that we have supports the our field sales team. So getting into some of these bigger accounts, and they are tasked sort of like a traditional, what I consider a traditional SDR role, which is... Um, it, it, just getting the setting appointments 
at some of these bigger companies. So that's we've got the, that's what's going on and working quite well here. Mm-hmm. The new three that I'm experimenting with is we're bringing them in, and we're going to have one SDR per sort of a larger team of account executives that are handling more transactional deals. And so my challenge is, if I were just to have them do, let's say, the normal ratio of appointment setting, it would maybe be one new meeting per account executive, given the large number that they support, which is not necessarily going to move the needle. One per day? Uh, No. Well, you figure if they can do appointments, Mm -hmm. that if one SDR can, let's say, do 15 appointments in a month. Okay. Set 15 appointments. That, that's going to be around, and they're supporting a team of almost 15. So one to two appointments that they would be able to set per account executive per month, which isn't, which isn't it's helpful, but I don't know if that's the place where I'm going to get most bang for my buck. So the other thing that we're doing, and this is all in support of an outbound effort. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm talking purely outbound, is... We, it, given what we sell, it's you can't download or you can't create a list and say, okay, we go after the e-commerce vertical or the gaming vertical. It's, it's way too broad. And to do the research, so we'll, we'll download these large lists and we'll find contacts with a, a couple of contacts in these lists. And for this, Andy, talking about specialization, we've got essentially a BDR team in the Philippines that all they do is research, account, enrichment, and and, clen- and cleaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because contacts, they, they go stale very quickly. What, th- what we're experimenting with the three BDRs is to take that level of research one step further and go through, and this really qu- requires somebody who knows a bit more about the business and our sale, that they're going to go th- through these lists and then identify the um, the best contacts to go after within that list. So they're going to do another level of scrubbing that's more difficult to outsource. Mm-hmm. And and I apologize if I'm getting into too much detail. No, but they're going to do that. Um, you're going to have these BDRs that you're hiring, or at least yes. one of them, do this final scrub, if you will. Do the final scrub. Then the then the the account executives will will let's say, pull out the lowest hanging fruit that they may choose to go after and say, you know what, I'm going to go because there are tools that we can use. Uh, outreach is a great example. Yes, where's another one mm-hmm. that, that makes some of this, the, the cadences easier. And the account executives will go after them. And then these, the, the SDRs that we're experimenting with, they'll scrub the list. And then they'll go after, let's call them the tier two accounts. And they'll see what traction can we get with ones that we don't consider the highest value, but maybe, maybe uh, one level down. Got it. So, if and I was just trying to do the the math. So, I mean, you have, as you said, that if you're you can't really move the needle if the SDR is only setting two meetings per month per account exec. So, how's the account exec? Are they themselves doing their own prospecting at that point to fill the rest of their time? Yeah, so right now we have one of the one of the problems that I'm trying to solve is that our account executives spend and they have to. They spend too much of their time prospecting. 
which is very inefficient. It's not what we want them to do. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a gap. We've got a marketing engine that, for whatever confluence of reasons, had a slow start, wasn't paid attention to, but we're really behind in terms of what the marketing contribution is and what it should be. And so I'm having to, to find these different strategies to help the sales team um, be more efficient at prospecting while the marketing team ramps up their efforts. And it was, it was interesting. Last week, Andy, I was at, a, at an event and I talked to someone who I'd worked with um, previously. He had started a, a group up in San Francisco called uh, Sales Fight Club. And it was a really a fun sort of invitation-only event for sales leaders. And anyway, he was telling me that he's gone on to another company. He went up to Bend, Oregon. And his title now is Pipeline Strategist. And his role, he reports to the VP of sales. Mm-hmm. He, he, his role is to fill the gap between that marketing contribution and in a SaaS company, you know, rule of thumb is it's about 44%. So 44% of your leads come from marketing? Correct. Mm-hmm. And so his goal and what he's, what he's measured on, what he's comped on, is to identify the gap and then try to identify different strategies to fill the gap between what marketing, what marketing brings in and what sales needs to go after and what sales needs to generate. And I think the the issue that sales leaders are trying to solve is we know there's going to be some gap for mo- in most SaaS companies. What's the most efficient way to close that gap? Um, recognizing that the more time you have your closing reps spending on it, actually the, the less yield you're going to get from those reps. It's not the right. most efficient. So right. strategies, this, this ties into you know, our topic, which is, utilization of how do how do SDRs play into this? And I, I, I would argue that they're a very important part of that strategy. Yeah, and it's interesting you talk about that pipeline strategist because you know, I wrote about this first a year ago and, and it's been a popular topic of, that people follow and I continue to write about. It's what I call the lead deficit. Basically, that pipeline strategist is confronted with what I call a lead deficit, right? You're going to get a certain mm-hmm. amount of your leads coming from inbound and maybe some other activities that you can identify but you can calculate that and get to a point where you understand based on your goals exactly the number of leads that you need to proactively develop in order to meet your plan and you really can't assume that you're gonna hit your plan unless you know what that number is it's a data game yeah sales is a data game and you've got to get ahead of it it's you know, when I look at Salesforce, the dashboards, dashboards are important to me to look behind what happened, but primarily so that I can look ahead. And I've got to get ahead of it. I've, I've, I, I think every sales leader needs a pipeline strategist, even if they are the pipeline strategist, to think about and, and to, to use data to help determine all right, here's my, here's my, uh, here are my revenue goals. Here's what I can expect from marketing and the yield and the conversion rates and, and how that's going to play out. What is that deficit? And then what are the things that I'm doing very specifically and granularly 
to fill that deficit. And if you can't, if you can't identify that, you know, it, it's it's the hail mary, um, and it's not predictable, and it's not going to make any uh, a president or board member satisfied if you can't if you can't really uh, speak to that and be able to create uh, an engine that is. Uh, leaning towards predictability. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, those are very uncomfortable meetings standing up in front of the, the board and the CEO if you don't have that visibility. And they're uncomfortable, Andy, and they're common. And, and what I've heard from, I, I've got some consultants here that work with me at Sumo Logic, Claris Designs. And what they were telling me is that they are they've sort of spent their consulting career helping companies or helping sales leaders and CEOs gain insights from the data and from Salesforce. They said, but the biggest problem is in, in getting those insights is most people's data is inaccurate. It's incomplete. It's not clean. And it's like you have to start at the root of looking at the data and then be able to take that data to create insights, and then then you can go and fill those strategies and have a decent conversation with a, a board or a CEO. But most companies don't don't even have the data that they can then go do and begin that analysis. Yeah, and have you used a tool like Insight Squared? Well, Insight Squared also depends on clean data. Sure, sure, no, absolutely. But but it's a but yes, and it's a fantastic tool. It's a fantastic tool. And again, it, it, it depends on clean and accurate and complete data. Yeah. No, that, um, I have a client I'm working with now that's just starting using it. But yeah, it is for if the data is clean, as you said. And they're pretty good, but they're, they're not quite there yet, but they're getting better. Yeah, some you start being able to use the data to spot trends that are um, pretty profound, actually, that you you would never really have, you might be able to guess that before, you know, after with some experience intuitively might think, okay, this is what's happening, but you can really then point to something and say, okay, yeah, the data is telling us this is, this is what's happening. And there's, and you could debate whether, you know, this is the cause, A is the cause or B is the cause, but you narrow down pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think that's, it, it's, it's real, it's imperative today to be, to run a say a data driven sales organization. I think it's imperative. Uh, there's, and, and there's really no, ex, there's no excuse for us not to when the, the tools are out there for us to collect this data. Um, it, again, it's not easy, but I think will the companies that don't and the, the sales departments and sales works that don't do it are going to find themselves losing to their competitors who start to run their organizations in that way? Yeah, and I really think it's it's a lesson for people who are listening. I mean, this is this is not an issue just for tech companies like the one Bridget works for, but for any sales organization, especially if you're a small, mid-sized business and you're competing against larger companies. You know, you need to use these tools. You need to start embracing the technologies, not you know, go out whole hog and invest in everything up front, but yeah, you, know, you need a plan to say how are we going to start using technology and data in our business to enable us to become more efficient and more effective in not only identifying prospects and closing the deals, but also supporting our customers. 
And you know, Andy, I what I'm seeing and hearing, and when I when I uh, connect with my counterparts, the companies that that get it are, are the younger are the startup companies. They they they've grown up with it. They are sort of adept. Um, you see it on both coasts. I'm in Silicon Valley, so it's it's pretty common here. I think the East Coast also. The stragglers and the ones that um, are have not embraced it are the more established, the more established companies. And I think it's going to be a slow erosion of their or their awareness um, of their productivity and effectiveness. And these startups are going to start more and more and more nipping at their heels as they are already. And I think it's going to be interesting, Andy, and we're already seeing it, where these larger companies are are trying to adopt some of these tools and put them to use. And it's Sumo Logic is not that large, but even you go into an organization that has, let's say, an entrenched culture or way of doing things, Mm -hmm. and it is harder to move to a new technology than if you've just sort of grown up that way. Yeah, and some of the complications are, and I saw this with a client last year that I about I don't know, about eighty people in their sales force, and they had hired me to do a workshop. And as part of my workshop, I always talk about sales technologies. And yeah, simple. And this is a company that's yeah, they're really doing a pretty bang up job. I mean, they're pretty sophisticated sales organization in some respects, but email tracking, never heard of it. Right? It's like. Guys, 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 guys. And and Andy, today, but, that's, yeah, think, that's table think, sticks. Right, but I think you need to understand, yeah, we need to understand it. People need to understand that, you know, the penetration of these technologies is just a very thin strata of companies that have really embraced them. And they're there, they're there for everybody. And part of the problem, like with this company, this client that I was dealing with there, they really thought that was a province of IT, right? So it was all tied up in IT about getting, you know, email tracking. I said, no, no, this is really a sales issue. Yeah, I understand. Let's you know work how it works with, see how it works with your mail client, which was Gmail. But it's like... Well, that's impressive. Yeah, but it's like, you know, people really haven't heard. And so I think we're really just at the beginning, the tip of this revolution. And that's why I'm sending the message out to people listening, is that make it part of your plan for 2016 to say, well, okay, what... Even if you hire a consultant to help you to understand what the technologies and tools are out there and then prioritize which are the ones that could make the biggest difference for you and start with one, right? Just choose one. And email tracking is a great place to start because it's an easy form of sales intelligence for your sales reps to say, I sent an email. Did somebody open it? Did they open the attachment? Did they click on the link in the email? Did they come back and do it again? You know, it just gives you that, just that knowledge alone if you're not having anything else as a sales rep, that's priceless. Yeah, it's it's uh, God. It's so important. It's so important. I I heard once it was maybe it was more than a year ago, the founder of ClearSlide talking about before that technology was available, they would send a FedEx package to a customer, and when they would get the notification that the package had been received. Mm-hmm. They thought, okay, good, and they would know to call that afternoon. Yeah, well, that was sort of their early notification system, and we've just gotten so much more sophisticated. Right, and the tools though aren't 
difficult to use. And and again, if just start at the beginning. Start with something simple that you can see such immediate payback from, and then move from there. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to finish up with my guest today on Frontline Friday, Bridget Gleason. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly a 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Okay, welcome back. We are Frontline Friday with Bridget Gleason. We're talking about the year of the SDR in 2016. So one of the questions that I want to ask, and we talked about increased specialization, but one of the things that I had seen recently was that uh, certain companies now are saying they're using the special sales specialization model with the sales development reps and accounting like so on, that they're asking their SDRs to become more knowledgeable, to become more involved in actually qualifying the prospect and not just qualifying sort of the triage level for, you know, they qualified enough to, for a meeting, but are they really a qualified prospect? So what are you seeing in, in regard to that? Because the more you get the SDRs doing that, I think which is, you can see where that's great on one hand, because then you're getting a, you know, more uh, sales-ready leads being generated to your account execs. But then at some degree, you start sort of blurring that line between SDR and account execs when you do that. Well, I think that line is getting blurred. And in some ways, I think it's okay. I, there's, there was, has been discussion here, and I will admit that I'm one of the ones leading the discussion, about only hiring SDRs as the entry point to be an account executive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that training that they get and the increased responsibility that they have is that so they're they're productive as they're learning, and then I've got a a much more readily productive and knowledgeable account executive, as opposed to hiring someone as opposed to hiring someone in, just off the street that doesn't have the familiarity, and just if you think about, I'll call it a traditional. BDR role where where the responsibilities are more narrow around I just want to get in that appointment that doesn't make them ready or qualified to go take an account executive role so actually the more that I can open up their responsibility from a sort of um, farm school type of uh, or farm team type of uh, organization and structure it actually helps me in terms of filling the the account executive roles that I need to fill. So I I like that they are I like that they are having um, increased responsibility, and I guess I'm I the other thing I'm seeing Andy is I I get I, I see a higher caliber of individual that is applying for this entry level job because it's more interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, does it really? Uh, is that really? I know it's entry level at your company, but have so I guess what I've seen in some companies is that they have their inbound SDRs to handle follow up with uh, 
leads that are coming in, inbound leads. And then you have your, your outbound SDRs are doing the proactive prospecting. And that they're sort of like different career paths. You know, I was talking to one uh, CEO of a SaaS company saying, oh, our inbound SDRs, as their career path is they oftentimes go to customer success, maybe as account managers, because they're not the classic hunter type, right? I mean, they're the responsive, they're the, uh, yeah, more the uh, cultivator and the farmers. And then you've got, um, you know, your SDRs, you said, go to the AE side. I think that really depends. I think that really depends on the company and the type of the type of sales that they have and the type of inbound leads that they're getting. I think in some situations, yeah, they're inbound and they're really suited for a customer success role. I think I've seen in other organizations where you're, you, you are getting inbound leads, but the threshold may be a bit lower in terms of what is considered an inbound because, you right. know, companies have control over that. And there is more selling required in the inbound role. Um, and in some ways, that makes, depending on the amount of selling that's required in the inbound role, that can actually make that path more, lean more towards an account executive role because they actually are having to sell quite a bit to close them. Um, and the BDR role, I don't know that I've ever seen that, that that would be a natural for a customer success but well, I've like also an seen account manager and a or account manager rather. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've also seen, had the experience of BDRs that have done the, the job and have, have decided, you know, I learned, I, I, I learned enough here that I, I'm not even sure I want to go into sales. So some, yes, it makes them more interesting. They're outbound. They're having to prospect. That's always going to be part of the sales job, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's last question for you. Tough question. Uh-oh. What are your sales resolutions for 2016? You personally. Okay. Well, I I went through this exercise with uh, an executive coach yesterday about prioritization. And there are so many things that I do, Andy, through the day throughout the day, and I I made a list of all of them. And identified my top three, the things that are going to move the needle the most. Then I identified things I'm going to do less of and things I'm not going to do anymore. So I would say I'm going, my number one sales resolution, I'm going to pick one, is focus. And it's focus on the three priorities that, that were identified. Okay, perfect. And what about you? Uh, try to stay upright on my bicycle, I think would be my number one priority. Uh, Andy, please do that. For those that, well, nobody knows except the people who know you about your uh, your tumble on your bike. My, my bike and... accidents, yes, that's left me, you know, elbow to, elbow to hand cast with a broken wrist, yeah. Well, you know, as they say, when you ride bikes, it's not a matter of if you're going to fall, it's just when. And, it's uh, just when, that's I, right. I check that off my list. I'm, the last bad crash I had was 30 years ago, so I'm... Okay, good. I think, at this point, I think I'm pretty good. I think you should consider yourself very fortunate. Yeah, I'm immunized now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, Bridget, thanks for being here as usual. Uh, again, this has been Frontline Friday with my guest, Bridget Gleason. And um, have a happy new year. We're recording this right before the new year's. Have a happy new year. And we'll happy new year to you talk too. Talk to you again in the new year. All right. Thanks, Andy. All right. Thanks for listening to the show. 
If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hi, this is Andy. I have a special offer for loyal listeners of Accelerate. It's a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. Now, I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform the results. And so if you want to learn the same proven strategies to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your smartphone and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, do you have your phone ready? Send a text to 96000. That's a nine and a six followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send, and you hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial on my zero-time selling interactive training. I look forward to seeing you there.